Progress Report only exists because of the support of people like you. If you can join the 500 or so other folks who donate monthly to keep this independent media project going, Jim and I would be incredibly grateful. The link to donate is in the show notes. The Progress Report is also a proud member of the Harbinger Media Network, and a podcast on the network that I want to highlight is the latest from Paris Marx at Tech Won't Save Us. Toronto Star labor journalist Sarah Mojahetahedzade joins Paris to discuss something we are definitely going to be keeping a very close eye on, the unionization drive by Teamsters 362 at the Amazon warehouse in Nisqy, Alberta, just south of Edmonton. Harbinger is a fantastic project, so become a supporter of Harbinger and get exclusive supporter-only content at harbingermedianetwork.com. Now, on to the show. Friends and enemies, welcome to the Progress Report. I am your host, Duncan Kinney. We're recording today here in Amiskwichiwa Skygun, otherwise known as Edmonton, Alberta, here in Treaty 6 territory on the banks of the Kasiskasa-Wanasipi or the North Saskatchewan River. Joining us today to discuss the important work they do is uh, Judith Gale, the leader of Bear Clan Patrol, Beaver Hills House Chapter. Judith, welcome to the pod. Uh, thank you very much, Duncan, and uh, I sure like your introduction and your recognition for Treaty 6. I'm from Treaty 8 territory, so I appreciate uh, the um, hospitality that uh, Treaty 6 has shown us. So, hi, mm-hmm. hi, Mudsy Joe. Yes, thank you for joining us so much. And uh, and I know we kind of had this uh, this banter chat off b- before we started recording. But but how are you doing? Kind of given the circumstances in Alberta. Right now? Uh, uh, given the uh, the circumstances, it's been uh, quite a rough two years, I would say. You know, um, I've been doing things that I never thought I would do ever in my life. And um, so that's a real change. And also um, people's mental health and um, uh, everything is just so up in the air. And it's been definitely a two crazy two years. Mm-hmm. Who would have ever thunk? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on is is really just to kind of wash away and wash my mouth out from all this kind of election and electoral nonsense that just happened that we were just subjected to here. Um, and your group, uh, Bear Clan Patrol, as well as kind of many other mutual aid groups like it, are doing incredibly important work and providing much needed resources to our neighbors, you know, during a crisis, right? Not only is this pandemic raging and our healthcare system is on the brink of collapse, but our friends and neighbors who use drugs are also dealing with like the opioid poisoning crisis at the same time. I mean, what are you hearing and seeing out in the neighborhood when you're doing the work that you're doing? Um, well, first of all, let, let me um, start off by explaining to uh, the good uh, people out there in podcast land that um, what the bear clan does. Mm-hmm. So what we do is we are a non-judgmental, non-discriminatory, non-violent um, group of like-minded people that um, hit the streets of Edmonton uh, with donations that we've gathered from community 
and um, we bring them right out to our brothers and sisters, meet them where they're at, and just support them and let them know that there are people out there that care and that uh, we see them and we hear them, you know. Um, and as well, I tell my members that um, part of what, what we do is not only do we uh, gift um, the donations that we gather, uh, we also gift ourselves. So we um, really engage with our brothers and sisters. We um, talk with them at length and uh, see what they need and um, if there's any any uh, assistance they would like from us and you know we just treat them with the utmost respect as we would anybody else hmm. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah you, i mean you jumped right ahead to my my next question but yeah like that that is an excellent short description of of bear clan patrol and and like give us the the rundown like when did you start it why did you start it what what need did you see that needed to be filled Right. Well, back when uh, COVID first hit, um, gosh, uh, it was crazy out there. We saw the general public, you know, lining up for blocks and blocks to buy uh, toilet paper. You know, the shelves were starting to empty and um, people were stock stockpiling, you know, and um so that led us to uh, our brothers and sisters on the street. What are, how are they going to stockpile? How can they survive during this? And so I was working for John Humphrey Center for Peace and Human Rights at that time. And we had uh, applied for a grant, um, a COVID grant, and uh, we got it. So we started a program called Street Stride where we went out in the mornings, 9 a.m. to noon, and we brought out the necessities of life, I like to say, which is because um, everybody should start their day off with the proper nutrition, you know? I mean, to be able to make sound decisions in your life, to be able to feel good about yourself, you know, you need to have food and water and clothing and shelter. You know, that's just the necessities of life. So the fact that Canada doesn't allow, you know, our brothers and sisters to have dwellings, that we actually have a, a, um, an unhoused situation here in one of the richest countries in the world, you know, it's just so disheartening because, you know, we're all human beings. And if you think about it, we're the only species on Mother Earth that does not allow their own to have a dwelling. You know, mm -hmm. isn't that ridiculous? So we felt that we have to be out there to be our brother's keepers, to help where, where they had no help. You know, during when COVID first hit, unfortunately, there were so many shelters that had to close because they had gotten um, outbreaks of COVID, right? So where were our brothers and sisters going to eat? Where were they going to go as well? Um, because of COVID, uh, they no longer were able to go into a shelter and sit in a 
communal kind of way and eat and have, you know, a bit of banter or whatever they wanted. No, now they have to, uh, are given a um, bag lunch and, and told to go. That's it. They're not even in, allowed inside anymore. You know, so like our brothers and sisters really need our help right now, especially right now, because um, our government isn't doing a great job of uh, taking care of them. If anything, I'd have to say that like, gosh, um, our, our province is really, really uh, cutting back on so many programs and services for our brothers and sisters that it's leaving so many people in such a hard way and in harm's way, you know? And mm -hmm. yeah, so that's really problematic to us. So we decided that, well, that's it. We're going to go. We're going to uh, uh, gather. At the time, we partnered with uh, we were able to access the food bank. So mm -hmm. I would uh, access the food bank three times a week and I would go and bring the food right to the people. And uh, we did that for uh, the year and then our funding was up. So the program ended. And, but um, during that year, I had noticed, you know, from being out on the street, I'd never, uh, noticed it before because I I'm out I was on the street three times a week then and so I noticed that our brothers and sisters really needed this help so at night time I was on my day you know not working and I decided that geez what can we do where what how can we help them even more so I looked on the web and I found the bear clan in Winnipeg and I loved what they were doing. And so I said, my God, we've got to start a chapter here in Edmonton. And that's exactly what we did. We started a, a patrol here in Edmonton. We were first, our first patrol was November 1st, uh, 2021. And uh, we started on Alberta Avenue at um, the um, Alberta Avenue Community Center. They graciously allowed us space uh, to uh, store our carts and to have like a, our little head office. Mm. Now, that was in November. And um, we took off so fast. We had so much media coverage and everything. We grew so fast. There was... Um, uh, people were wonderful in the community donating so much stuff and so um, we we outgrew Alberta uh, Ave Community Center and we had to find our own garage for storage um, because it was bigger and um, then uh, that was Alberta Avenue and uh, of course we um, decided too that we well we want to be able to eventually cover all four corners of Mother Earth in Edmonton. So that's the north, south, west, east. So we started with the north. Then we moved on to the south um, in January. And um, so now we do, we patrol both the north side and the south side. And we're eventually going to move to the West End and do the East End as well. Uh, creator willing, of course. <laughs> and um, 
And uh, yeah, and another uh, big part of what uh, we do, which I hadn't even anticipated when we had started this, what is some um, search? We mm. do missing and missed um, posters, and that's exactly where I was today. We were on a on a search. Uh, the family had come from BC and um, to search for their eighteen year old son. Uh, who um, unfortunately is lost on the streets. Now, we have, uh, we searched and we got sightings of him. So the good thing is we know he's alive and he's out there. Mm -hmm. Um, But, uh, oh God, it really, uh, this, this afternoon, distributing out the flyers and talking to people, um, one of the last guys that I uh, talked to, was about a 24-year-old young Indigenous man who was um, holding foil and um, a pen on the in the other hand. So he was doing uh, smoking heroin, you know, mm-hmm. on foil. And uh, when I came up to him and I gave him the po- the flyer with uh, uh, the missing and missed, and uh, he just started crying he cried he said why why doesn't my family do that for me you know mm-hmm. isn't that sad that I uh, that just made me cry so much I had to give him a hug right then and there but I couldn't cry right then and there either I had to wait till I got to the car but you know like that's that's the reality. Like nobody wants to be on the street, you know, nobody wants to be on the street. They want their family to come look for them. (sighs) So, so I'm pleased to say that we do help. And, um, in that regard, we have, um, connected family members, uh, with their loved ones. And, uh, there are, there have been some that have been successful in taking their loved one home and putting them in detox or, or, um, or bringing them back, uh, in a home and taking care of them, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, and those are the ones, the ones that are successful in that are the families that never give up. They actually roll up their sleeve. They go out there and they look actively, you know, mm-hmm. those are the families. Those are the youngins, uh, the, the, uh, loved ones that do come home and get saved, you know, because you can, you can, there is a, it's, it's, you know what I say? It's like a hole in the ground, you know, it, you, you keep on walking and you see that hole and you fall in. Well, one day you're going to walk and you're going to walk around that hole. You're not going to fall in anymore, you know, and it can happen. I've seen it. So people can recover. People can be rehabilitated from drugs Yes. So I know that there's, I feel myself that there's no lost cause on the street. There's no lost cause. Every one of my brothers and sisters are able to be saved. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I was, uh, you know, I was lucky enough to spend, uh, you know, a short amount of time, not as much as I would have liked to spend. I had some family stuff I had to take care of last night, but I was able to spend you know, a little bit of time with, 
you know, your Northside patrol uh, here uh, last night. And, you know, it was, it was my first time, uh, you know, out with Bear Clan Patrol. I'd seen Bear Clan Patrol out in the community before, you know, I worked downtown and, you know, I walk up and down uh, 96th Street quite frequently, uh, both to get, just to run errands, get to the grocery store, as well as kind of walk uh, my daughter home from daycare. So you see, you know, Bear Clan Patrol out, but, you know, it was, it was exactly what it looked like when I walked by all before, you know, it was, you know, you got wagons, you got water, juice, muffins, sandwiches, chips, you know, you have blankets, socks, underwears, gloves, you know, and you roll those carts around and talk to folks as you go. And, and uh, another big component is the harm reduction mm-hmm. that we carry as well. And I feel um, we don't do harm reduction during the mornings because there are agencies out there that are open and that's where people should go. So we don't do it in the mornings, but at nighttime, there's nothing open for our brothers and sisters. So we feel it's important that we um, bring the harm reduction out to them. Um, and it makes for a safer community for all. Yeah. Yeah. We ran into a lot of different folks, uh, you know, who are very grateful to get some food and water and some supplies. And, you know, I wasn't able to stay the whole time, but like this was, it just seems like that's, that's the work, right? You're just going to people where they are and and giving them the stuff they need in order to kind of just continue to to just operate you know exactly and then one day you know just one day maybe they will go home or if they are able to or if they have a home or our family you know they'll they'll reconnect hopefully you know we mm-hmm. need i mean i feel that um everybody um, needs a break, especially on the street. That's why I always, um, um, tell my members, uh, when we, they first start, um, that the number one rule that the bear clan has is that we don't say no, you know, I don't want negativity. No, the word no is so negative and so awful. And our brothers and sisters hear that all the time from police, from community agencies, from securities, from uh, peace officers, you know, from people on the street. No, get away from me. Or, you know, so the Bear Clan, we never say no. If one of our brothers and sisters come up to us and say, oh, man, I'm hungry. I haven't eaten in two days. Uh, can I get like four of those sandwiches? We always oblige. We always gift everything we have. We mm-hmm. never say no. And yeah, like the philosophy behind it is this, is this something, this is just how you approach the work you do is like, it is, it is coming from a place of generosity and giving and welcoming, right? Right. Well, I'm from, I'm a 60 scoop. And so I didn't grow up with my um, indigenous heritage, unfortunately. Um, but in my older age, I um, immersed myself in, into it. And I'm from um, Fort Smith, Northwest Territories, and I'm a Dene Cree. And what I learned is that... Um, the Dene are very, very generi- generous people, you know, and um, 
that's where I come from. So that's the heart I have. And I have that ancestral goodness I know <laughs> with me all the time because I'm Dene Slu. Yeah. And, and like, do you, do you call Bear Clan Patrol like a mutual aid group? Like I, sometimes I see it get described in the media as like crime prevention, but that, that seems like. Yeah, no, no, we're not crime really... prevention at all. No, no, no. Um, yeah. What we are, is, yeah, I like that mutual aid. I just like to say like, we're friends of our community, you know, we're just friends uh, going out there. We really do help not only um, our brothers and sisters, but uh, the service people that we meet on the street as well, you know, like um, your security people, your uh, window washers of uh, buildings, you know, um, your, uh, we know, uh, we've been on the street now for a year, so we have a rapport with everybody. We give them water. If we give the construction workers water, we give a man in a three-piece suit water. You know, we're non-discriminatory. So if you need uh, the necessity of life, then we're there to gift it. Mm. And you kind of got into it a little bit, but like, what, what's your story? What's your background? Um, you know, how, how did you end up in Edmonton? Uh, how I ended up in Edmonton. Oh, goodness me. Okay. So, ah, gosh. Okay. So like I said, I was a uh, child of the sixties, uh, scoop. And so the government went into, uh, my, um, little settlement of, uh, Salt River, in uh, the 60s and they um grabbed 10 that's the food oh hold on uh sorry about that there's somebody at the door yeah. um my daughter's gonna get it she's here from the northwest territory so happy um so um now what was i saying <laughs> You were saying uh, th that you were uh, 60 Scoop, the, the government came into your community right. of Salt and, River. Right, yeah, of Salt River. It's a little settlement. Um, I guess my cook, um, her favorite saying was, we're just like the bear, we come from the bush. <laughs> so we, we, were, we were bush people, you know? And uh, the government went, came in one day and uh, grabbed my mother's 10 children and uh, took her to court, and she didn't speak very well English, and uh, they um, made all 10 children ward of the courts and took us away. And I was the baby, and uh, when I was able to get the records, um, they, they had written about me um, through FOIP, you know, because now with FOIP you're able to do that. I found that... The very first document they had put up on me, they had said that, oh, we have a little white baby. <laughs> they had my ethnicity as white. And then um, two years old, they did another medical. They said, oh, no, she's not white. She's a uh, um, Métis. And then after Métis, they said, oh, no, at five years old, they said, oh, no, she's not Métis, she's Indian, because I got darker and darker, right? So uh, I always found that was funny. And um, so then at seven years old, I had bounced around the Northwest Territories from foster home, 
um, Indian residential school because uh, back in the day, if there was no room at the orphanage, then there was always room at the residential school. And so I uh, got bounced all over, all over the north till they finally were successful in adopting me to Montreal, Quebec. So I was adopted to Montreal, Quebec, flown there at seven. Um, and that was an awful time to go to Montreal because they had just declared martial law. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, it was crazy. I'm my very first time getting off the plane and I'm seeing army men all over and going down uh, um, the street. There's tanks and army all over Montreal. It was crazy. I was like, oh, my God, where it was very culture shock at the beginning, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, then I adjusted and um, our adopted mother was not a very um, good person. She should not have ever been a mother. She did not have the skills. And uh, so, and uh, we had uh, sexual abuse and um, physical abuse and confinement. And so needless to say, I started running away from that home at uh, 12 years old. And I started uh living on the streets of Montreal and I would be a juvenile runaway uh, until I was uh, 18. And then when I was 18, I was allowed to do whatever I wanted. And so I found myself still on the street at 18 because before, you know, um, when I was a juvenile delinquent, if I got tired or, or hungry or whatever, I could always turn myself in and go to a group home or, or be a, you know, because you're a ward of the court, right? Mm-hmm. A juvenile delinquent. So I, um, and then when I turned 18, I didn't have that to fall back on anymore. So I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? Oh, well, I'll find out who, where I came from and who my real family is. And I did. And I, I found out I was from Fort Smith, Northwest Territories. So I phoned um, the own, the Lapini that I found in the phone book and Sure enough, it was my eldest brother, and he sent me a plane ticket up to the Northwest Territories. And that's and so I went to Northwest Territories at age 18. And um, then I was kind of culture shocked, very, well, very culture shocked. I was an urban Indian by that time, and I was very culture shocked when I got there. So I lasted about eight months up north. And then I had to run to the closest city, which of course was Edmonton. <laughs> mm. Yeah. And then that's how I ended up in Edmonton. I met my uh, ex and uh, settled down and had two beautiful children and uh, yeah, and started living in Edmonton. And yeah. That's a, it's an incredible story. And There's been so many incredible things that has happened in my life. I'll tell you the most significant and most incredible thing that ever happened to me, sir. And I think that this is probably part of the reason that I have been able to to live this long. Because really... You know, I, I've I've been on that other side of the coin where my brothers and sisters are, where I've lived a, a high risk lifestyle. 
shall we say. But what happened to me when I was 18, when I first um, was getting ready to leave the North to go to Edmonton, I had purchased a plane ticket to Edmonton. And um, the only way uh, plane to go out was the Yellowknife. At the time I was stay, I was working in Fort Simpson. And in Fort Simpson at that time, the Pope was to come. Okay. Yeah. And so I was working uh, and it, the quite frankly, like a month before the Pope was to come, the whole town got inundated with twin otters upon twin otters of Secret Service men and their cars and dogs. And like they really put th- that little um, uh, island on lockdown, you know, so it was really getting crazy. And uh, I didn't want to stay and I had no interest in meeting the Pope at all. So um, I was working at the bar and that night this really nice old couple from Delaney up by Yellowknife uh, came in and they said they were going to Yellowknife. And I said, oh, geez, I want to go to Yellowknife. I'm, I want to take a plane to Edmonton. So I asked, can I come with you? And they said, yeah, sure. Come on in. So uh, they allowed me to drive with them to Yellowknife. And uh, once in Yellowknife, I uh, got a ticket to go to Edmonton. Now, my plane didn't leave till uh, the morning. And so I didn't know anybody in Yellowknife. So I went to uh, the bar, which was the the gold range, they call it. And um, so I latched on to a party for the night. So I was able to uh, um, stay up all night drinking and uh, partying. And then at uh, 8.30, when my flight was to go to Edmonton, um, I go pulling up in the cab and I'm running out to the, um, the tarmac. And just as they were pulling the stairs away. Uh, so I had to stay at the Yellowknife airport. They allowed me to wait for the next flight, which was the 11 o'clock. So I just was like, I was still half caught. I hadn't slept. So I kind of just put my feet up and, and put my head on my bag and kind of tried to uh, pass out, you know, till 11 o'clock. Next thing you know, security comes to me and taps me on the shoulder. Mm. And he's like, and I'm like, oh my God, here I am. They're going to kick me out because I know <laughs> I'm half cut. And he's like, uh, ma'am, would you uh, like to be blessed? I said, excuse me? <laughs> would you like to be blessed? And I'm like, uh, what's going on? And he said, well, we're locking down the airport and you can't go out and you and you have to stay here. But he says the Pope and his bishops are coming off the plane and they're going to come and walk around and they're going to bless everybody in the airport. Would you like to be blessed? <laughs> I said, <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. Oh, wow. OK. <laughs> and so when the Pope and his bishops came to me. I could not raise my head to look at him. I didn't want to breathe because I'm sure I smelt like alcohol. And all I did was put my head down and I saw his shoes and his robe and I allowed him to bless me. And I think that's that's why I was able to... Um, 
uh, to carry on with this good work, you know, because uh, I got some, I mean, I'm not Christian per se, because I believe in the creator mm-hmm. and I kind of, and I also kind of believe that all roads uh, to God lead to the creator anyways, so I think all gods are all right, in my opinion. You know, every, every um, nationality, everybody's god is a, is a good thing because it all leads to creator, right? It does. Well, yeah. that, that is a fantastic story, and I'm glad you told it to me. There's another story that happened here in Edmonton that, you know, I have to talk about uh, with you since I have you on the podcast, and that's, that's what happened in February. Uh, here in a downtown LRT station. It's on Valentine's night, if you can believe it. On Valentine's night, February yeah. 14th. And just to refresh yeah. everyone's memory, it was it was cold as hell outside. It was, you know, um, you know, winter weather alert, you know, minus 30, minus 35. And you and some Bear Clan folks were in an LRT station doing your usual thing when all of a sudden some Edmonton police officers kind of happen upon you and some folks kind of like eating snacks. And, uh, and maybe you could tell our audience kind of what happened next. Okay. Yeah. So, well, what happened was um, the bear clan was in the LRT system and I was upstairs in the support van because like you said, it was very cold And, uh, so the bear clan was, uh, and I was bringing supplies down to them. So I hadn't seen the very first altercation that they had with the police. Had I been there, that would have been videotaped as well, but Mm -hmm. I wasn't there. And they told me about, um, when, when, because it was at the other end of the LRT, you know, And we were, and then you walk through the long corridor to the other end of it. So it was, let's see, it would have been the east end they started at, and then they were coming towards the west end of the LRT system and to the west doors, hey? And um, that's where I met them was at the west doors. And that's when I started recording immediately. Now, the the Bear Clan had phoned me when I was upstairs getting the supplies in the van. They phoned me and they said, oh, we just came across these two cops and they're being so rude to our brothers and sisters and you better come down here right away. So that I hightailed it right down there right away. And that's where I um, came to. And that's when I started the video right away because um, they were even worse, 10 times worse to our brothers and sisters um, uh, just a few minutes before I started recording. Mm-hmm. I guess on the, on the East End where the Bear Clan had started, Um, the policeman, he had taken, um, the sandwich right out of the guy's mouth and threw it in the garbage and then kicked him out. He had no shoes on and no coat on and kicked him out. And, um, then, uh, um, the bear clan was like, come on, we're, we, they're eating. No, no, you guys get out too. And, and so they followed them from the East door all the way down to the corridor too, because the bear clan was coming out to see me. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so they fought the police, followed them all the way 
And of course, there was more people on the West End too. So of course, we the Bear Clan saw them and fed them as well because they were hungry. It was cold and, and uh, it, you know, these people were hungry, hadn't eaten all day. And so when I started filming, I couldn't believe that these policemen didn't even try to um, act better, you know? Mm. You know, they were yeah. still their nasty selves. And oh, it was so frustrating to watch. It really was because I I wouldn't want any human being um, to be treated like that, least of all um, by an authority figure, you know? Yeah. It, that, it was just so gross to watch, so gross. And it took everything I had not to swear my mouth off. But I knew that I was filming and I had <laughs> to uh, compose myself. And you, because really, you know, I think that had I been belligerent and people would have not had um, had the same uh, idea, you know? Yeah, and, and this this inhumane treatment—I mean, it's hard to call it anything else. This inhumane treatment of unhoused folks during like a brutal cold snap, minus thirty-five. This blows up, right? And this- a pandemic, and a pandemic. You know, it's it's uncertain waters for everybody. Yeah. And this blows up, right? This goes national, it goes international. You know, the the EPS and the city of Edmonton are putting out statements, trying to kind of. You know, uh, deal, yeah, trying to trying to deal with this shitstorm that they've caused. And as far as I know, there hasn't been any actual consequences for those cops. You know, I reached this morning. I reached out to um, the Edmonton uh, Police Services Media Relations and uh, just determining what the, they said that they opened an investigation into it and whatever happened with that. But, uh, you know, as far as you know, was there did, did anything change as a result of, of that incident? Um, things have changed and I, that is good. Now what's happening in the EPS, I tell you, I am not impressed at all with the whole complaint process with all of that. I think it's a bunch of BS and yeah, not very pleased with that at all, but I did appreciate the, uh, chief apologizing to our brothers and sisters in public. So I, uh, we were in talks with them during that time. They wanted to just apologize to us and we insisted we insisted uh, you know us bear clan we had a place to go home after you know our brothers and sisters had none so we insisted that they apologize to them and make it public and they did which was really great and uh don iverson our mayor he jumped on board as well and he did a public apology to our brothers and sisters as well now since then we have had um city officials uh come on patrol with us because i i invited them during that time i said come come on patrol see for yourself you know you sit behind a desk and you make the determinations for our brothers and sisters you should see firsthand how they have to live because of your decisions you know so i'm pleased to say that um the uh jackie ford 
and uh, Rob Smythe did come on patrol with us. They rolled up their sleeves and uh, really did an awesome job, I must say. Jackie Ford herself uh, bandaged up uh, a few of our brothers and sisters that night because another component of what we do is we bring out first aid to our brothers and sisters, and we always um, help... uh, if anybody has nicks or cuts or, you know, we mm-hmm. bandage them up. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so Jackie Ford actually did that that night. And then, um, Rob Smythe too. And, um, I talked with Rob Smythe because, uh, Jackie went on the North side and Rob Smythe came on the South side and I was with him on the South side here. And I talked with him at length during the patrol about how, um, our brothers and sisters get, um, find for, uh, being in the LRT system. Um, if they're trying to, um, get out of the rain or, uh, the cold or, you know, and I thought that was so unfair because how are you going to, uh, find the unhoused? They have no means of anything and you're just making their life harder, you know, this one weekend, um, Victoria Day long weekend, we witnessed uh, the peace officers give, issuing $2,500 in tickets to our unhoused. Mm. Now, that's so futile, so futile, a waste of everybody's um, uh, time, I think, because they're not going to pay it. They're not, you know, and all you're doing is is um, kicking them in the head when they're already down on the ground from a boot to the gut, you know? Like, why, why? So now, thankfully, those city officials went back to uh, the city and uh, they changed policy. And now our brothers and sisters no longer uh, will get fined um, for being in the uh, uh, transit system. Um, And so they can find refuge uh, out of the rain, out of the cold, without uh, being prosecuted. And I suppose this conversation kind of leads into this question, which is like, how would you, you know, describe your relationship with the Edmonton police? Where do you stand on the whole defunding the police and and allocating that money to community resources argument? Okay. I am always for the police because they are a necessary evil, unfortunately, in this society. You know, we need them. Uh, We would be under mayhem if we didn't have the police. Now, having said that, I don't believe the police should be involved in community affairs at all. I think that they should be out of child welfare completely. They all they are are glorified babysitters, you know, like and 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 how dare they go to. Uh, you know, the first time a child is introduced to the police, the the policeman is taking and ripping him away from his mother's arms, you know, like that's just not not any way for the police to be seen to uh, a new um, a, a new baby or a child, you know. So I don't believe that they should be involved in that, nor should they be involved in community um, where they're needed are like for the cyber crimes, for, you know, um, uh, missing and murdered and, you know, stuff like that where they're needed. Uh, Put all of their money there. Like 
yeah, they don't, they need to, um, change, uh, how they, they do things. But, um, I want to work with the police because they are part of our community and we are part of their community, you know, whether we like it or not. And, and they are needed now. They don't need that excessive budget in my mind. <laughs> yeah, for nearly four hundred million dollars. Yeah, that's yeah, that is like wow, that's excessive. Now, yeah, like we could we could take a hundred million dollars and you know, put people oh, in homes and give people the resources they need to not be on the street, right? Right, and what our dear chief has been doing too is he's been allocating a lot of money towards AI. Uh-huh. And why AI? Because here in Edmonton, we have the best AI in all of Canada, which is at the U of A. So um, I think a lot like they bought that new um, equipment truck there that they can park anywhere. And within a 10, um, um, 10 kilometer radius, they can gather, um, everybody's, uh, cell phone, their IP address, all their messages, their photos, everything without our knowledge and without our permission. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's take that defund the police argument to, you know, it's logical extension. Say, say, let's say we defund the police by a third or a quarter or whatever. And a group like Bear Clan gets, 10 times, 100 times the resources that you have now. What does Bear Clan look like with, with when you, if you were to have, you know, that those type of resources at your disposal? Right. Oh my gosh. Well, you know what? I, my, my thing is I don't want to ever see anybody unhoused. So I would say that if we had that kind of funds, we would um, build more little tiny villages. You know, here in Edmonton, we have um, uh, the Veterans Tiny Village. Mm -hmm. I think that that's an awesome uh, idea. And we do little tiny villages all around the city for our unhoused. Because quite frankly, what they're doing right now, how they warehouse our our unhoused in shelters, you know, the capacity, 300 to 400 in one building. Like, come on, that is just too much. Too much for any human beings to handle. Um, because we have so many mental health cases out there. We have so many addictions. We have so many people going through psychosis. And to have 400 of those souls in one area is just too taxing for, for um, you can't pay people enough. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, I think that what they need is 50 units here, 50 units there, 50, you know, beds here, 50 over here, have them broken down into smaller, more manageable, where you can have one-on-one um, -on -one with a human being and uh, you know their names. How are you going to remember 400 names for goodness sakes, you know? Yeah, and and so, you know, I think our our our, our conversation is is going to come to an end here shortly. We're running out of time, but I'm very grateful for the, the the opportunity to chat and for our time together. Um, you know, I definitely want to close with you know how if people want to get involved, how can they volunteer? 
if they want to do a shift, what do they have to do? What are okay. don- donations? How do donations work? How do people okay. get involved by donating? All right. Well, when I, when I tell my brothers and sisters, I tell them that we don't have any shifts, okay? We are not a, a work where you have a scheduled shift. No, the only continuity that we do have in the Bear Clan is to our brothers and sisters to ensure that we are out every Monday, Wednesday, Friday mornings, 9 a.m. to noon at Churchill Square, we start. And then on Wednesday night and Sunday night, uh, north and south sides. Now, that's our continuity. Now, whoever shows up on those days are in. That's it. All you have to do is show up. I don't want anybody to come thinking that, oh, God, here I go. I got to do this shift. No, I want them to come in their own volition. I I don't want to be... running around, uh, phoning people and uh, emailing or texting, hello, you're supposed to be here. When are you coming? You know, no, no. If you're going to come and gift, you're going to, of yourself and your time to our brothers and sisters, you're going to show up. Yeah. And, And and yeah, and that's what we've, I've always done now is that's it. And I'm happy to say that people do show up. And uh, the other thing too, you guys, I have never met one Bear Clan volunteer member that I did not like. <laughs> I, I'm serious. I have gone through, I'm 56 years old, I'll tell you, okay, and through my life and how many people I can say, honestly, I don't like, but <laughs> I have never ever said that about one Bear Clan member. They are all such beautiful, wonderful, caring, supportive, you know, just just lovely human beings no, so I, mean, I, I did a shift and you know i would do one again i would recommend it i think it's uh, uh it's good yeah <laughs> like, it's good it's i tell it's very cathartic mm-hmm. it's very cathartic for your soul for yeah. your heart you know and uh, i always encourage our members and a lot of them do you know they bake uh, and they bring their baking or they bring um, their sandwiches. Everything has to be individually wrapped, of course. And and the, that's one of the best feelings is to be able to go out and gift uh, what you baked, you know, and and see the, the eyes light up when they get a, a lovely banana bread. Oh, right on. You just saved my life. I was just hungry. Or, you know, like it's awesome. They, people are so grateful and thankful and they just love that we come to them. And uh, if people want to donate, how does the donation process work? Okay, so we have, um, we partner with John Humphrey Center for Peace and Human Rights, and we do have a um, tax receipt uh, number, and should you donate, um, and you just email bearclan, uh, beaverhillshouse at gmail.com, and as well, um you can e-transfer that way. We also have um, Bear Clan, Beaver Hills House, um, PayPal, and um, as well, um, you can. we have an Amazon. If you go to our Facebook uh, page, um, the first post 
The pinned post at the top is an Amazon wish list, and you just click on that, and uh, you you see the wish list that we um, hope for our brothers and sisters, and it's lovely because community has really stepped up, and almost daily we get an Amazon package. So, yeah, and actually when I, when we first put put out that uh, list, um we uh the Amazon driver, he told us we had broken his personal record by he delivered us 58 packages in one day to the same address. He said that was never happened to him before. <laughs> nice. So, yeah. And are there are there any immediate needs right now as well? Oh, yes, definitely. Right now we need blankets. We need winter coats. uh, We need socks. We need underwear, gloves, mitts, uh, hats, toques, uh, scarves, sweaters, um, boots. um, And to to drop those off, just email. We'll put the email in the the show notes. Yeah. And then... Yeah, our Bear Den for drop-off is uh, 9806 85th Avenue, and you just drop everything off there, or else you you can arrange a pickup if you're not able to drop off. Yeah, with the email address that we'll provide. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, Judith, thanks so much for coming on the pod. I really do appreciate it. This has been a much-needed conversation. Like I said, this all this electoral nonsense and this uh the bullshit with Jason Kenney and the collapsing healthcare system i needed to talk to someone like you who's doing this kind of work it was incredible to go out and just like be out on the street giving people stuff that they needed and having those kind uh, of like okay. interactions with people okay duncan that's the other thing i tell our members we don't use the words giving or mm. handing out because i feel that's the government's position they're always giving and handing out well guess what we don't do that we gift everything that we gather from community who gift it and entrust it to us to then um, carry and gift to our brothers and sisters living rough. Mm-hmm. Well, that's it for this podcast, folks. Uh, if you have any notes, thoughts, comments, uh, things you think I need to hear, I'm very easy to get a hold of. Uh, you can reach me by email at duncank at progressalberta.ca. You can reach me on Twitter at, at duncankinney. Uh, thank you to Jamie Crummins for doing some very much needed chase producing for this show. And thanks to Cosmic Family Communist for our theme. Thanks again to Judith for coming on. Thank you for listening and goodbye.